0: The following audio is from Midtown Fellowship in Columbia, South Carolina. If you're interested in becoming a part of our extended family, visit MidtownColumbia.com partner here with us, we're in the middle of a series that we're just calling Personal Liturgy. Uh, Liturgy uh, is something that uh, is done consistently over time, that is done for the purpose of shaping uh, a a person or a group uh, of people. So churches who um, might be known as traditional and have a lot of the same continuous practices over and over during the Sunday worship service are actually oftentimes practicing a liturgy uh, in a way that's very intentional for the purpose of shaping uh, the people of God to, to be more and more Uh, like him. And so as we're uh, referring to this series as personal liturgy, what we want to do uh, is establish in our own lives, not just corporately when we come together, but in our own lives, uh, different patterns, different habits that we practice consistently for the purpose of shaping us more and more into uh, the image of God. Some people call these things spiritual disciplines, um, but that's that's what our series is going to be about. To help us begin to implement uh, some of these spiritual disciplines, Uh, we uh, created an app for you. Uh, We we thought about creating a book, but we knew that some of you would lose the book. And also, we knew you would not lose your phone. So, uh, we created the app for you where you can download it on your phone. If you're new with us and you haven't downloaded the app, uh, we would love for you to take the time to go ahead and do that. You can go to personallitergy.com. You can go to the Apple Store. You can also, I'm sorry, the iTunes Store. You can also um, go to the the Play Store for Android and download uh, that app now if you would. This is one of the few times that I won't be offended if you pull out your phone in the middle of while I am preaching. So, you want to go ahead and take advantage of that. Uh, we do think it will be beneficial for you. It's definitely been beneficial uh, for me. Uh, go ahead and turn in your Bibles, if you would to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 is where we'll spend uh, the bulk of our time. We're not going to uh, start there. We'd love for you to go ahead and turn there. We'll, we'll have a few other scriptures that we'll, we'll use before we read that, but the others will be right here on the screen for you. Again, if you can turn to Hebrews chapter 12, throughout this series, uh, we've been looking at, uh, well, I guess more so when we started, we were looking at Jeremiah chapter 17, uh, verses 5 through 8. Uh, the... the uh, what the, the prophet does here is, we'll, we'll read it in a second, It kind of lays out two different types of lives uh, that we have the opportunity to live here on earth. One life that is built on trusting in the Lord, one life that is built on trusting in our own selves. Obviously, these personal liturgies that we will be uh, getting into um, today and through the rest of the series, we we'll believe will, will help us to cultivate a life of dependence on God. That's really what we're, we're after. I hope that you don't miss that with all the different things and different challenges that are here in the app. The purpose of all of these challenges is to help us to cultivate a life of full dependence and reliance on God. And we believe in that is when we as people will will, will prosper and flourish the most. I'll start Jeremiah 17, verses 5 through 8 again. Keep your finger right there in Hebrews chapter chapter 12. Jeremiah 17, starting at verse 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert, and he shall not see any good come he shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited life. What well, the prophet is saying, that living a life full of, that, that is rooted in trust in yourself as opposed to trust in the Lord, the prophet says, is a cursed life. You're like a shrub in the desert. There'll be this, this dryness, this lack of flourishing, this lack of, of prospering that you will experience Uh, If you build your life on trusting in yourself, trusting in your own flesh. And then verse 7 and 8 are set in opposed to verse 5 and 6 or in opposition to verse 5 and 6. Verse 7, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. So this man is living a blessed life. Verse 8, he is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes. For its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. This tree that's planted by the waters, it it prospers no matter what. It flourishes no matter what. It it bears fruit. It does not cease to bear fruit. It doesn't matter if the heat comes. It doesn't matter if the drought comes. No matter what situations and circumstances in life come, this, this tree continues to bear fruit. And it says, so is the one who trusts in God, who has built a life of dependence upon God, and so will their life be this type of flourishing I'm referring to is not talking about primarily from a resources standpoint or from a financial standpoint, but from, a, from an inner standpoint, from a spiritual standpoint, prospering and flourishing no matter what comes their way. What we've said in pursuit of this, this type of a blessed life is the things you do do things to you, is our tagline for the series. The things you do do things to you, that, that, that the way we structure our lives actually affect us. in a deep way. And if we want to pursue this type of prospering life that God has for us, then we need to take a hard look at the practices of our everyday lives. Um, it is true, of course, that God desires us to have this type of life that we see in Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8. It's also true that we have an enemy that wants us to not build our lives on the trust in the Lord and on faith in God. Uh, the enemy wants us to not experience this life, this life of flourishing. And the enemy wants us to experience this life of dryness, this cursed life. But on, on top of that, I would say the enemy even has a bigger goal in mind of completely sifting us away from walking with God completely. That he, he doesn't just desire for us to be in this, this, this kind of dry spiritual Christian place, but actually that we will actually live lives of practically walking away and straying away from God. In Luke chapter 22, verse 31, Jesus talking to, to Simon, uh, also known as Peter, many will say his, his closest disciple, the one who walked with him the most and the most closely. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. He's saying it, it, it is Satan's goal. It is his end game. He wants to completely sift you away from the faith that you would turn away from God. That is, the, that is his end goal. We see this come up again, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. So this is Paul, and in, in the last letter we have from him, he's writing to his closest disciple of Timothy. He's actually on, uh, what well, many will say, he's on death row for, for preaching the gospel and remaining faithful to the Lord. So he's writing to one of his closest friends in Timothy, verse 9. He says, do your best to come to me soon. He's saying, visit me in prison. He says, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. He's saying, one of my closest friends, this, this is Demas, this is a guy who has walked with Paul, who is arguably uh, the, the, the greatest missionary outside of Jesus himself to ever walk the earth. He's saying, this man, Demas, he fell in love with his present world. He has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. At this time, this, this when Paul talks about deserting me, he's not just talking about deserting him, but Paul being the leader of this missionary movement to the Gentiles, what he's actually saying, he's abandoned the, the, the movement. He's abandoned this, this life of furthering the gospel and walking with God because he fell in love with this present world. This is what the enemy desires for us. And I think in between where many of us are now and where Demas went, is this dry life, right? This life of, of not, this cursed life that Jeremiah talks about, this life of not flourishing and prospering in the Lord, this life that's not built on this trust in the Lord. And if we stay there and progress down that path, I believe we'll find, many of us will, will find ourselves like demons. I talked to a lady, um, it was probably a few weeks ago, and she was just talking about just trying to um, cultivate health and walk home with the Lord. And she said, She said, Ann, I'll be honest with you. Uh, in 2017, I basically didn't live like a Christian at all, in all of 2017. Wouldn't have known it if you don't know her very well. She's, uh, in some ways, well-versed in the Bible, uh, can quote scriptures very well to you. And when she looked back and analyzed, she was like, man, last year, I, I really didn't walk with the Lord at all. The enemy desires to sift us like wheat, to get us to stray away from the Lord. You ever seen that from a Christian before? Maybe somebody you knew a minute ago, y'all used to maybe even study the Bible together, or used to pray together, or used to be walking with the Lord together, and you look back, you're like, what in the world happened? This person is not walking with God anymore. This person has, in in some way, seemed to have abandoned the faith. It's one of the saddest things that as a Christian you'll ever see. Heard a story about a guy who uh, runs a coffee shop now, used to be a pastor, and now wants nothing at all to do with the faith. Wants nothing at all to do with, with Christians, with Christ, with God himself. I saw a Facebook video recently of another guy who was, I think, some type of a minister in the church. And he was, he was on Facebook telling everybody that they should do what he did and just completely leave the church and walk away. People who, as far as we can tell, were walking with Jesus, it's, it's, you start this process of drifting. Start this, 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 this process of not living a life built on faith in the Lord. Somehow the fire begins to die out. Sometimes, somehow the zeal that you once had is, is no longer there. You see this coldness develop uh, between them and the Lord and to the point where they no longer see the point of getting together and gathering with believers. No longer see, see the point or, or, or feel like they, they have the energy or whatever to open God's word and study God's word. It's been months since they've had a, meeting, a, a significant time of prayer just talking with God. Months have passed Without these, what we're calling personal liturgies in place, these disciplines, these spiritual disciplines, and now you see them actively walking away from the Lord. I think many of us have taken no time to consider, uh, is that a path that I'm on? Is, is that what my life is leading towards? If you, if you were to look at the, the day-to-day management of my life and the activities of my life, is that the path that I'm actually on? Am I, am I actually cultivating in my own heart, in my own self, a dependency on myself and not a dependency on the Lord? In five, in 10 years, the path that I'm currently on, does it lead to me no longer walking with Jesus and following him on a day-by-day basis? You think that pastor thought That in five years he wouldn't be walking with the Lord anymore? The the, the man Demas who who walked with Paul, arguably the greatest missionary, everything he thought that he would be falling away at some point. I don't say this to discourage us. I say this to cause us to remain on guard, to cause us to always be considering, what am I building my life on? Is it dependency and reliance on God himself, or is it reliance on myself, on my flesh? As Jeremiah says it. This is incredibly important. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3 gives us encouragement. How do we walk this out? How do we endure? Right? How do we live in such a way that in, that in the future we are continuing to walk with the Lord by the power of his spirit? How, how do we run this Christian race in a way that we endure with our God? Hebrews 12, verse 1. Actually, I'll, read. I'll go ahead and read 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from such sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary and faint heart. I want to pray for us one more time before we... Break that down. Lord, we need your spirit. We need your help. We need your strength. We need you to give us the endurance. Lord, that we wouldn't be like those who, who, have, who have become faint-hearted in our faith. That we wouldn't be like those who have become weary in, in, in following you. That we wouldn't give up. But Lord, instead, that we would build our lives on a trust and reliance on you, on a dependence upon you. Lord, rid us of our self-reliance. Rid us of our desires to Cling to things that hold us back from that. It's in Christ's name I pray, Amen. We're going to look. I'm going to read uh, uh, the end of verse three again because I think this gives us a look at the purpose of this of this passage of scripture. He says, "So that you might, so that you may not grow weary and faint-hearted." So that's that's the author of the Hebrews' goal for this for this part of scripture right here. That we will not grow weary. That we will not grow faint. Hearted. I actually like the way the, the New American Standard Bible uh, translation says it says, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This phrase, to lose heart, means to basically give up. It means, means, means the life, the energy, the push, the drive that you had uh, to, to, to follow the Lord, that that would not go away. This verse, this, this passage is for anybody that's lost encouragement in the faith. Anyone who just feels tired of having to fight to rejoice in the Lord or feels tired of, of what it means to fight to follow Christ. Every Christian in the room who has felt fatigued spiritually in some ways, every Christian that ever felt, felt maybe even exhausted spiritually, like, I, I don't feel like I can continue to do this. Tired of fighting and struggling and wrestling with the same sin over again and tired of going to God, repenting of the same thing over and over again, tired of trying hard to do better next time. Not sure if you've ever been there, but I'm sure I I know I have for sure. I think this spiritual exhaustion is part of what it looks like and part of what it means to be that shrub in the desert that Jeremiah 17 talks about, where it feels completely dry, feels fruitless, it feels lifeless in many ways. That's not what God desires for his children. Let's look at what we can do to fight against this weariness through the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So this is going to, verse 1 is going to give us a call to endure, to run this race with endurance. So I got to explain what that cloud of witnesses is first. So in chapter 11, don't have time to read it now, write it down, go read it on your own time later. It's a very amazing passage of scripture. It's what many people call the hall of faith. And what you see in the, in the hall of faith is these, these, these believers in the past, these Old Testament believers who, can, who faced, many of them, all types of difficulties. Some of them faced death. It talks about Abraham, right, who God was, was testing to see if he'd be willing to sacrifice his own son to him before God stopped him from doing that. It talks about the prophets who knew if they continued to prophesy and continue to stay faithful in the Lord that they would be killed by their own people. But yet they remained faithful. But yet they endured in the faith. Verse 1 says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, he's saying, hey, think about the legacy of those in our faith who have endured in this faith. Bear in mind that the the, the stories that they have and the faithfulness that they have shown, these people who who are these, these walking pictures of what it means to be the tree that is planted by water that does not cease to bear fruit, Hey, remember these brothers and sisters that have endured in the faith before us. And while doing so, pick back up in verse 1. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The Bible refers to our Christian walk in in several different ways. One of the ways it refers to it is as a race. The the, the way we we walk with the Lord, the way we live for him is is synonymous in some ways to, to a race where we have a goal of knowing God more and more, and we're straining, we continue for our whole lives, training ourselves to be able to run towards that goal. That's what the author of Hebrews is using today, He's saying, he's referring to our Christian faith as a race. He says, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely. Did you catch the distinction that the author of Hebrews made right there? He said there's two things that we need to lay aside. He says sins and weights. So sin, I think if you've grown up uh, in church culture, you have some idea of what sin is. Sin, sin is this, uh, the, the Greek word is uh, hamartia. I believe I'm saying that right. Uh, it, is a, it is a word. It is an archery term. means basically you missed the mark. You aimed at something, but you missed Right, So sin is anything that we see in the Bible that God says, no, this is off, this is wrong, this is universally wrong. Things like uh, gluttony, things like jealousy, like these are things that, that God says, things like, like being dishonest and lying. These are things that God says are wrong, these are sins. But that's not the only thing he says that we're to lay aside in Hebrews chapter 12. It does say lay aside the sin, but it also, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so close. So that word uh, "weight" is a, it's a word that means hindrance. Something, something that might hinder you from from pursuing what you are actually pursuing. This creates a category for us that I think many times we don't think about as much as we should. That for us, there there are oftentimes weights. There are oftentimes things in our lives that aren't specifically spelled out in the Bible as sin, but yet they still hinder us in our race as we pursue knowing God more and more, and we pursue loving Him more and more. The author of Hebrews is referring to them as weights. There are things that are objectively simple for all of us that we need to lay aside, but there are individual specific things in each of our lives as well that that tend to weigh us down, cause cause us to feel fatigued, cause us to feel this exhaustion that I spoke about earlier that need to be laid aside, the author of Hebrews says. The diagram that we have uh, that we've been sharing uh, throughout, the, uh, throughout this series uh, is a way of looking at consistent uh, patterns or, or actions in our lives. We have here uh, on your right, uh, you see the arrow pointing in one direction and, and the word spirit, that those are the, the habits in that section or the practices in that section are, are practices and, and activities that we engage in that as uh, Paul in the book of Galatians calls souls to the spirit. Things that, things that are done uh, that through the power of the Holy Spirit grow us spiritually, cause us to thrive and flourish uh, spiritually, and on the other side, you see the flesh practices that we have that we practice consistently uh, that are sinful, that are harmful to us spiritually, that lead us away from God. And what we said was we really, believe for a lot of our people, we have a few things that we do that, that point us towards the Spirit or so to the Spirit things like praying, things like reading the Bible, things like coming to, to worship gatherings that are in our lives that we do consistently. But we also have some things in our lives that we know are sinful. Many times we're, we're fighting against those things and looking to repent. From those things, but most of the things that we do kind of fall into this middle category where we say, it depends. Like, it, does this so to the flesh or so to the spirit? Well, it kind of depends. Like, for example, watching a movie, right? It can be a good thing, a, a blessed thing for, for, for me to sit down with my family. We're gonna have a movie night and we're gonna enjoy each other's fellowship as we watch this movie together. It could be a very uh, blessed thing that, that is good uh, for us as a family. Or you could watch a movie. Because you're hoping that there's something that your flesh can cling to or feed off of, uh, something that, you're, that, you're, that your flesh might lust after in a movie. So it, it kind of depends. Watching movies, well, what's, uh, what's the movie about? What's in the movie? How, how much time are you spending watching movies? There's a few different questions that we need to ask for this, in, it, this it depends category. Things like hanging out with friends. Well, it depends. What are you going to do with your friends? right? Is, is this something that's good and productive and for your uh, spiritual thriving. The author of Hebrews is saying, obviously lay aside sins, which we know are things that are sold to the flesh, but he's also saying, lay aside any weights, anything that hinder you in your race to know God more and to grow in faith in him. Basically what he's saying that for some of us, there are these uh, activities in our lives that fall in the it depends categories that need to be put down because they're weights. Because we were made to run the Christian race with endurance, and we are holding weights in our hands. And we feel justified in it oftentimes because the Bible doesn't say you can't watch a movie, right? The Bible doesn't necessarily say you can't do this thing or that thing. But the Bible does have a category for weights, things that we, through discerning, through prayer, will will come to know if we are honest with ourselves that we need to let go of. I'll give you an example of what I mean heard about this article. Uh, it is called, So I Quit Drinking. The author basically describes uh, her journey uh, with, uh, with alcohol, just to give you a little bit about her story. She grew up in a, uh, in a pretty conservative church family where, um, to, well, sorry, wasn't wasn't a church family at first. When her parents became believers, they basically said, you know, we're going to pour out all the alcohol that we have. We're not going to drink alcohol anymore. Uh, that, we don't feel like that's good for us. And then uh, when she uh, became a believer, her, and her husband husband, um, she, they were like, well, actually, alcohol in itself isn't sin, but the Bible says that uh, being drunk is a sin. Obviously, gluttony is a sin, so we, we, we won't do that. We'll, we'll, we'll use alcohol in a, uh, in a more responsible way. Uh, and for a period of time, they said the way they used that, it was uh, mostly social, and it was, um, they didn't find anything wrong with it and it didn't violate their conscience in any way. And then she started noticing some negative effects of drinking alcohol for her in her life. She said the Holy Spirit used Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, in her life. She started noticing that alcohol had become a weight. She'd become more and more dependent on it. She started noticing that in times when she needed comfort, she would run to alcohol before she'd run to God. In times when she felt most stressed, most anxious, most worrying, the first thing that she ran to was alcohol. And it was not the Lord. Something that she used to just be able to simply enjoy was taking a larger and larger place in her life. Look at what she says in the article. She says, So I in her quote and so I quit drinking. She says, I began to be haunted by the writer of Hebrews who said, Let us also lay aside every weight. I began to wonder why was I resisting throwing off the weight of alcohol? Why was I so determined to keep running my race with this habit that had begun to feel so heavy? In my soul, I could see the Holy Spirit practically jogging alongside of me to say every now and again, Aren't you ready to put that heavy weight down yet? I think it's time you stop this one. It's your time to put it down. It looks to me like it's getting heavier the longer you hold on to it. And her response was, no, no, I'm fine. I'll just keep going like this. Everyone else does. It's fine. We're all fine. I'm fine. Look at how fine we are, she says. Justification after justification. when She has sensed the Holy Spirit's prompting to put it down. She refers to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, like a firm push of a masseuse. I'm not sure if, how many of you in here have had a, a massage, specifically a deep tissue massage before. But basically what they do is they'll find a knot and they'll just apply pressure on it and apply pressure over and over, go over and over and over until it releases. And there's this, when that, when that release happens, it's, it's usually painful at some point. But after that, it's like, oh, I actually feel better. I actually feel better now. I actually feel like something was lifted off of my shoulders. That's how she refers to this Holy Spirit prompting her to put down alcohol because it had become a weight for her. It was difficult for her to do. It was painful at the time. She didn't didn't want to do it, but afterwards there was this release of, I actually feel a lot better. I'm actually able to run a lot better now. What are the weights in your life? Is there anything that the Holy Spirit has been pressing you to let go of while you just keep responding, no, I'm fine. Everyone else does this, I'm good. No matter how much it slows you down, no matter how much it weighs you down, no matter how much it makes it harder for you to run the race that has been marked out for you by our God, no, I'm fine. Everyone does this. For me, this one might sound strange to you, Uh, it's actually uh, staying up too late at night. Uh, I'm naturally a night owl. Uh, I have three kids and one of them turns four months old today, so I'm always tired, right? Hey Amen, from the parents in here. Thank you. So I'm always tired. But at the same time, I feel this tendency to like what I've always done for most of my life is like I, I, I kind of get my alone time at night. Everybody else is in bed. I can get a lot of work done. At that time, I can kind of decompress from the day. I'm an introvert, my job calls me to be with people and around people all the time. So I just crave this time to myself, this, this decompressing time to myself. But when I do that, I don't wake up when I should, and I'm not spending time in the Word. I'm not spending time in prayer for people. At times, I've often told I will spend time in prayer for you. Staying up too late is a wait for me. It's something I need to continuously fight to put down. Y'all know how it is. You're there by yourself. You get on YouTube. Next thing you know, it's been two hours, right? It's a wait for me. I'm tired in the morning. I don't get that, that, that quiet time in that I need to get in before my kids wake up because it's not happening after that. Is it a sin to stay up late? No. But for me, it's a weight. So I need to be more disciplined in putting this weight down and going to bed earlier. Why? Because it's a weight and I was made to run in pursuit of God. And it is foolish for me, hear this, and it is foolish for me to hold on to anything. That is truly my life's purpose. It is foolish for me to hold on to anything that will weigh me down when I was made to run. That's foolish. What are the weights in your life? Maybe I should back up for a minute. Have you ever even taken the time to analyze, are there things in in my life that the Bible doesn't particularly call sin that is actually weighing me down? Have you ever taken a second to just ask that question? You have a, even have a category for, hey, is this thing that God allows me to do, is it actually harmful to me? I think for many of us, when we start having conversations about things that the Bible isn't specifically clear on and saying, um, this is sinful for everyone, we always get this pushback when we challenge people on it, right? There's always, there's always this pushback. You no, know, The Bible doesn't say that, no, you're being, you're being legalistic, no, you're being judgmental. No, I'm trying to help you to run like you were made to run, you were made to run and you are holding on to weights and you are clinging to them when God created you to run after him. This is not being judgmental. If you're running a race and you're holding onto a weight and I tell you to put it down, that's not being judgmental. That is loving you and calling you to live as you were designed to live. One of the pastors at our Lexington church, he was saying for his it's football. He likes to check. uh, He's a Clemson fan. He said, he said, I'd like to check the the websites about the recruiting that's going on. He said, I I will get mad way before the season's even started because this recruit says he's leaning towards another school and not the school that that I want him to go to. And it's affecting my day. It's affecting my joy during the day. And that's not even counting when when the season actually comes. It's on his mind, he said, when he's on his date with his wife. And if things aren't going well, it affects his countenance. That's the weight he needs to put down. He said, so now he has, there are some websites, some sports websites, where he's just blacklisted. He's like, no, I, don't, I can't go to those sites. It's not good for my heart. It's not good for my race. It's not good for me, someone who was created to run after God. It's a weight. He was made to run in pursuit of God. It is foolish to hold on to a weight when he was made to run. Social media in general can be a wait for me primarily between the hours of about 5 p.m. and 8 p.m. That's the time between about when I get home and about when my boys go to bed. During that time, social media, isn't, I, other hours of the day, it's okay for me to get on social media, check Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and all that kind of stuff. But in that period of time, we're trying to get dinner ready. I am I, to be serving my family in whatever way it looks like. I only get a, a limited number of hours each day where all of us are there together I didn't say it was a weight for you. I said, for me, it's a weight. It might be a weight for you. It's a weight that prevents me from, from living out the identity that God has given me as a, as a father and a husband in my home called to lead my family spiritually. And I look up, and say, like, I've been on this for 20 minutes. For me, it's a weight. I need to put it down because I was made to run in pursuit of God, and it is foolish to hold on to a weight when I was made to run. In this series, as I said earlier, been focused on this, this idea of living a life like a tree that is planted by the waters, that produces fruit in the heat and in the drought. Meaning we bear fruit at all times, good times, bad times, whatever. We've also said that when we don't trust in the Lord and walk in step with the Spirit, our life looks more like that shrub in the, in the desert in Jeremiah 17. But as I said before, the enemy's goal isn't just to keep us in this, in this half-hearted Christian state, Where we where we do some Christian activities, but we're not fully thriving in the joy that God has for us. That's that's part of the goal. That's not the end goal of it. He wants to sift us to the point that we aren't even walking with Jesus anymore. To the point that gathering with the saints for worship and fellowship doesn't seem important because it's just too hard. It's just too much work. That's a sign of growing weary. He wants to push us to the point that we can't remember the last time we took time out to pray because we're just too tired. We're we're, we're tired of fighting for this. We're too tired to even try. He's trying to lead us far, far away to the point we've gotten so weary in our race that we're just too. I, I I don't have it in me today to try to study the Bible and understand what it's all about. To the point that you never seek to share the good news of salvation in Jesus with people that don't know him because it's just too draining to the point where you never look to encourage your brothers or sisters in the faith because you're always just, you just don't have it. This is exactly what the author of Hebrews is talking about when he talks about growing weary, when he talks about losing heart, this, this, this ongoing straying away where every anytime, if any time someone is calling you to some act of spiritual discipline, what you always say is you're too tired, you're too exhausted to do any of it, You've grown weary. You've lost heart. And God is calling us to turn away from that. I believe oftentimes the enemy gets us to this place of losing, losing heart. and being spiritually weary to the point that we don't even have endurance to keep running the race. And it's not because he has overpowered us. Right? As, as the scripture says, greater is he that is in us and he that is in the world. The one who dwells inside of us, the Holy Spirit. is not like the, the enemy has the ability to overpower the Holy Spirit who is in us. But... But he can give us a weight that we'll take and hold on to. But he can not offer us a weight that, that, and he can deceive us into tricking that he's actually adding something to our life when he's actually giving us a weight that is holding us down and causing us to lose endurance. He's already been defeated by Jesus through the cross and the empty tomb. But he can deceive. Deceive us into thinking that we should actually hold on to weights even though we were created to run. We need to identify these lies that we believe. If there's anything in, in, in your life that you've thought of as I've been talking so far, anything that, that's like, I think this is a weight, but you, you, you feel this wrestle inside of yourself. It's like, no, but I want to hold on to this, right? I don't want to let this go. I feel the Holy Spirit press me on this, but I, wanna, I, I don't want to let this go. That is the enemy deceiving you into thinking that something that will hold you back is actually for your good. That is a lie from the enemy that many of us have already felt in this room during this sermon. That this is actually benefiting you. That this is actually good. That you will actually experience more joy. It, 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 is, it is such a great deceit of the enemy that he's convincing us that the very things that lead us to this dry, uh, this dry, cursed existence, like Jeremiah said, like this shrub in the desert, that the things that lead us towards that are actually beneficial to us and a life that will actually lead us to prospering like the tree planted by the water— it's actually bad for us. This is a great deception of the enemy. Great deception. It gets us to believe that football is important enough to hold, to hold on to even when it's hindering our prayer life. Here, hold this weight. It gets us to believe that social media is, is important enough to hold on to even if it's preventing us from loving on and serving those that God calls us to love. This is the enemy saying, here, hold this while you run. It gets us to believe that that TV show is important enough that you just have to get caught up on it, and you have not considered picking up your Bible. You haven't even considered it. But you have to get caught up on this. The enemy's like, here, have this weight. Have this weight as you run. Hold on to this. And we wonder why we have no endurance, and we wonder why we're so tired every time there's something that someone or something or the Holy Spirit himself pushing us to live as he has designed us. We're holding all these weights and we're wondering, why am I so spiritually weary? Why am I losing heart? Why am I exhausted? Why am I dry? Why am I wanting to throw my hands up in the air and just give up? Like we haven't been holding on to weights when we're created to run. Of course we're tired. Of course we're ready to give up. Uh, In doing Christian ministry, one of the things that I see pretty frequently uh, and hear people talk about pretty frequently is this idea of being burnt out. Decided, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just burnt out from, from ministry. And, and sometimes it's, it's due to a lack of, of proper resting, uh, as God calls us to rest. And sometimes it's, you're carrying so many weights, of course you're burnt out. You've, all, you, you've, always, been, you've always been burnt out. You're, you're trying to run for Christ and you're holding on to, to these weights. Of course you are burnt out. You were made to run. And you're not laying aside the weights that are holding you back. Hear the words of the Lord in Hebrews 12, verse 1 again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, he's reminding us of these of believers that have come before us that have endured in the faith. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. He's saying, put down whatever is holding us back. Lay it aside. And then it gives us direction on where we find the strength we need to actually lay those weights aside. Verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He's saying when you feel weary, he's saying when you feel exhausted, when you feel yourself wanting to cling to these weights that, that hold us down, he's saying look to Jesus. Remember that it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured The cross, the joy of reconciling his people back to him, including us in the room that are believers, including removing the curse of sin from from his people and from his creation, the joy of his eternal reward and glory seated at the right hand of the Father. For the joy set before him, he endured that he was looking forward to the joy and he found strength there to endure. And as we look to him, I believe it reminds us that for the joy of being freed from the power that sin has over us and for the joy of knowing that one day we too, like our Savior, will have our eternal reward when we are with him forever, for the joy of knowing Christ more fully and more deeply, we lay aside every weight. We lay aside every weight as as we race because we know what this race grants us. Knowing our God more fully, knowing his love, knowing knowing his grace more and more is what we gain. And that's why we sacrifice any and everything else. And anything that hinders us, we lay it down at his feet. In our faith, even dating back to the Old Testament days, There's a very tangible practice, a very tangible uh, act of discipline that uh, followers of God have practiced for uh, thousands of years to some degree. Uh, A a practice that that teaches us to to really, truly seek being sustained by God himself, and that is the practice of fasting. Jesus uh, practiced fasting right before he started his public ministry. We see this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. It says, And the tempter came to him, talking about Satan, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is saying, Man can live without food for a little while, but man cannot live without God and his words. Fasting is this practice of denying ourselves of something that we desire to have, something that, that we have clung to very closely in pursuit of knowing God, more, in pursuit of reminding ourselves that this thing is not ultimate, this thing is fine, this thing is okay, is not ultimate, I, I am willing to sacrifice whatever it is that I might know Christ more, that I might fellowship more deeply with Christ. I heard one pastor refer to fasting as a way of strengthening our say no to self muscles. Basically, he was saying, we, we are extremely weak and being able to say no to ourselves. we always say yes to our desires. we're enslaved to our desires. Fasting is something that, that practices and, and builds up the strength to actually be able to say no. that we will be a people. If it's, if it's true that the things we do do to us that do things to us, we will be a people that practice ongoingly fasting, saying no to desires that we have, that we might gain more of Christ, and that we will we grow in our strength and our ability to deny ourselves. One of the things that you'll find if you uh, hopefully have already downloaded the app for us during this, during this series, this coming week we're going to be talking about what are your weights. What are weights in your life? You can go ahead and be praying about it. In the app, it'll, it'll ask you that. It'll ask you, do you need, do, what is something that you need to lay aside? I would recommend beginning by fasting from it for a period of time. If you don't know if it's a weight, try fasting from it and see how you feel. I know personally for me, one of the things I've always had to go back and forth for myself about is the type of music that I listen to. I grew up listening to hip-hop. love hip-hop music. Uh, I took a week one time. I was like, you know, what? I'm going to fast from any and all ratchet music. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> any and all ratchet music. I'm just, I'm just going to fast from it. I experienced an encouragement in my soul. And I replaced it with uh, gospel music, basically. Um, I experienced an encouragement and a joy in my soul that I did not know was available to me. I did not know how much I was being hindered by the type of music that I listened to. What are things that you might consider fasting? If there's something that you're saying, I don't know if this is a weight or not. I don't know if this is weighing me down or not. Fast from it. If you're saying, I can't fast from that, it's got you. It's got you. It controls you. It dominates you. If you're saying, I can't put it down for a period of time, it controls you. It absolutely controls you. And you need to grow. we need to grow in our ability to say no. Be honest when the app asks you the question. I think you'll find a freedom in your ability to run that maybe you've never known before. And in a week, the app is going to change even more. And we're going to start having some specific challenges of fasting from specific things. All around our family of churches here, our downtown church and our lesson church, we'll be practicing fasting from some very specific things. I want to give you a heads up because I know some of y'all are not going to like that. I want to give you a heads up. Go ahead and pray about it. Hopefully Jesus will let you know it's good for you. And before you decide, you're not going to. Before you decide, I'm not going to practice that. I'm not going to practice that fasting. I'm not going to practice laying aside things that I desire to have. I just want to remind us of Hebrews chapter 12 one more time. I'll read verses 1 through 3, and then I'll close. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely, and let us run with, hindrance, sorry, run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. And let us lay aside anything that prevents us from running the race that our Savior has marked out for us let me pray for us lord you are good to us lord thank you i appreciate lord that you will call us out and acknowledge that we have things in our lives that that hinder us lord that that slow us down that weigh us down that make it harder for us to endure god would you give us the 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 strength or would you give us the courage to be able to say no to anything that hinders us anything that holds us back anything that weighs us down lord Lord, that, 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 that inkling that we feel, that, that urge that we feel to say no to, to letting go of things that we've held on to for so long that have been wasted in our lives, Lord, would you would you propel us to, to be able to say no to those things? Would you give us the strength, Lord, as we keep our eyes on you, would you, will you give us the power to release those things? Would you help us to see how those things hinder us, how those things oftentimes for many people cause them to turn away from the faith completely? Will you Give us a sense of urgency, Lord, to say no to whatever we need to say no to. Would you not let up on us? Would you be like like that masseuse, Lord, who just continues to press us until we release it? Lord, we need it. We need it so much. We're not going to be able to do this on our own. We're grateful for your Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, that empowers us to live this out. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.